When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I am, of course, your co-host, Andy Hart. With me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Andy, hi. Good to see you. Bunkfuckers, good to see you. We got to get moving. I am worried. Andy, this is a breaking Bunker Bulletin episode. This is the Bunker News Desk coming at you with a special report. The Georgia Guidestones have been destroyed. Andy, I'm, I'm freaking out here, man. We've never done this before. Normally, we are so late to cover topics. We nor I mean, okay, Bunk Funkers, we'll be honest with you. Normally, our policy here is that we cover no conspiracies or paranormal events that have happened within the last 50 years but today we're making an exception we've got some late breaking bunker news here uh, a topic that we've wanted to cover sure of of a humongous stone monument right in georgia right and then in the meantime it's been blown up it was and destroyed blown up a couple of uh speaking of blowing up the bunker discord which you can only get through Patreon. Yeah. Also was blown up. People were freaking out. People are following this tale. They're following I heard the about story. this first from the Bunker Discord. Oh my God. So how many freaking people suggested this episode? I mean, I guess all of them in the Discord. <laughs> Anybody that participated, it was it was Leem, it was Jeremy, it was Grachi. Yeah. I mean, uh, who else? Sarah. Fucking uh fucking all of ya. Yeah, everybody gets a credit for this one. Credit to all of our patrons that are in the Discord. Yeah, Uh, this is all of you. (laughs) You did, you did the the uh, the great work here of getting us um, this late breaking bunker news. I'm I'm on edge, dude. Yeah, I know nothing about this topic. Apparently, we've. We're destroying the Antichrist? I don't know. Something's happening. Well, I mean, it's up for debate. Shit going on. Uh, It's up for debate. And I think honestly, Art, I think this is going to take a turn. I'm I'm fucking on edge ready, Andy. I think you're going to enjoy this one. And if you're on edge like Art is, and you just can't fucking wait to get to this breaking bunker news, what you can do is you can look in the show notes for this episode. You can check. We will have a timestamp listed. You can skip ahead to the part where we start talking about the Georgia Guidestones. But first, 
I mean, you should stick around because late breaking bunker news. Art and I were also abducted again, <laughs> and you got to find out how it happened. This is like a real news channel, like. And we'll get to that and more. Top later, story coming first, up at eleven. But yeah. first, here's a human interest piece. <laughs> or, I mean, I guess really this is like a human disinterest piece yeah. because nobody's really interested. No one's in interested us. in this. But you should be. So once again, uh, beefers, um, we're here. We're in the bunk. We're in the bunker. We got abducted again. Um, and uh, this week, uh, what Art and I were up to is we decided to join a rec league basketball team. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a lot of you don't know this because you don't really, you know, you know, we don't reveal all of ourselves on here. We're yeah. complicated individuals. With we are. lots of varied interests. And one of the things that we're really into is basketball. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Art and I are both, uh, we were both, uh, high school basketball stars. It's true. Uh, don't look it up, but we were both high school basketball stars. <laughs> don't, don't research it. Just take our word for it. Uh, we were Source, both, trust me, bro. we were both Mr. Basketball, uh, in the state of Iowa yep. in respective years, mm-hmm. uh, for wherever we were. And so the point is, we are really good at basketball, yeah. and um, I definitely can make more than 50% of my shots. And yeah. um, So we decided to join a rec league team just to scratch that itch, you know? Yeah. Andy's Not a lot great. of opportunities. Andy, you're a great. You're a great in the four or the five. Right. I'll put you in either of those spots any day. It doesn't matter about your height. Nope. <laughs> it's the fact that it's you about can tenacity. box out anybody. It's about tenacity. It's yeah. about having a big body. That I can throw around. You and get your big body up on those guys. You're, right. you're big on up on those guys. You're backing up on I'm those guys. I'm grinding on them. I'm backing up on them. I'm making that thing drop. I'm twerking. <laughs> I'm doing everything you're supposed to do. It's good form. I'm up there. I'm on the one. I'm on the two. I'm calling plays. I'm ISOing. Right. I'm, I'm step backing. I'm, yeah. I'm breaking ankles. I've got a small hammer. I right. break people's ankles. You rarely give the ball up. <laughs> And by rarely, I mean, if you touch it, you will well, shoot I'm it. I'm much like R.I.P. Kobe, but I'm much like Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. in that, you know, if I don't see guys putting in the work ethic, if they're not there in the gym when I'm in the gym every single day mm-hmm. from 4.30 a.m. to 4.15 a.m. Right. The next day. Right. Which is what I do. Right. You know, and then I can't trust. How can I trust them with the ball? Now, it is interesting to know. This note, is rec league basketball. And I think this is important context. You are technically homeless right now, and there is a shelter at the gym. That's right. Where you play I, basketball? You know, I you know I live at the gym. I sleep on a couple of the benches there. Please, I'm uh, again. If there's anybody else at the Lifetime Fitness on Milwaukee, uh, please don't take the bench that's in the squat rack in the southwest corner. I sleep there. I've set up camp there. I have my headphones. I have my drink. You can clearly see my ID is there. I have a towel. His that's, wallet is those, there. Those so, are my possessions. So you can know that it's his <laughs> spot. Seriously, stop moving my stuff out of the way. Stop asking me if you can work in. You cannot. It's my house. But I think that's important context. For it's important context. We love basketball. We love basketball. And so we joined this rec league team. Yeah. You know, we went to the local gym, the Lifetime Fitness on Milwaukee. The Lifetime Fitness on Milwaukee. And they had a they had signups for the rec leagues. And we we joined one team that didn't have enough players. Uh, it was called, uh, it's called Melvin and the Bunk Monks. Which uh, I assume is some sort of play on Alvin and the Chipmunks, which if you want to think about who who do you want to emulate as a team? Yeah, it's Alvin and the Chipmunks. Well, I like them because that Busy Beaver Hardware Store sponsored them. Yeah, so the whole thing is tied together, and right. they got these great brown jerseys. Right, yeah. you love a dark brown jersey. Dark, dark brown, and uh, you know it's got graphics on it that make it look like fur, so that we yeah. look like rodents when we play. We have to wear those little furry tails, right? Um, so it's really cool. It is. It's really cool. I like the thematic elements of it. I think that 
spoke to both of us. Um, and you know what? We are such like we're great journeymen too. We can oh, play sure. in any rec league. We know all the play. Like we just are so like we know if anybody is shooting a shot, you yell. What do you yell? Brick, brick, brick. We're yelling that constantly. <laughs> right. We are doing full press, full court defense throughout the whole game. Right. Never letting up. No. Always reaching in constantly. No matter the score, <laughs> no matter the time in the game, it's full court. Uh, <laughs> we refuse to accept any fouls. Yeah. Yeah. We we're always them. calling and one. If right. you so much as breathe on either of us, I am fucking hitting the fucking floor. I'm flopping hard. Yeah. Yeah. If you pass the ball, I will shout air ball. That's right. And both of us are now flat earthers because we want to be like Kyrie Irving. Right. Yeah. So we've adopted flat earth mentality so that we can uh, be better at basketball. Although on the flip side, we're also kind of becoming a little bit of divas. You know, honestly, Requesting though, trades constantly. And I hate to bring this and up. ruining team culture. I don't want to go against Kyrie, but, uh, you know, it's easier to play basketball if the earth is round. Because <laughs> you get a little extra of that boost from that jump. The That's basket's right. technically lower than you are. But hey, well, don't say that, Andy, because otherwise your your double doubles are going to go down. Yeah, and, and I, I'm not just talking about hamburgers. <laughs> well, I mean, keep the double doubles coming. <laughs> I mean, I need my daily dates double. So we're having a good time. We're man. having a good time. People and really like playing with us. People really like playing with us. I mean, we only could field a team of three. It was us and one other guy. Uh, there were two other people, and they quit after we joined. <laughs> but true. I think that they had family emergencies. Yeah, um, yeah, it had, it had to have been. Yeah, because they didn't really leave it and give us any satisfactory explanations. I think they were trying to cover it up because they kept saying you guys are really obnoxious and stuff, but it certainly wasn't us. I, it certainly know. wasn't our play either. Yeah, but, you know, the guy that's left, Mr. Hooper, who is kind of... As long the, as I'm not double teamed, I'm taking a shot. Well, yeah, and you should from any sh place on the court. Right. Yeah. Doesn't matter which side of the floor you're on. Doesn't matter that my sweet spot is... Right at the free throw line. I'm taking it from the top of the key. I'm taking it from half court. Right. As soon as, as I get the ball. Right. As, as well, you should. We don't have time to waste. There's a shot clock. Yeah. But, uh, you know, honestly, the one of the key cogs in the in our team is Mr. Hooper. Oh, uh, Mr. Hooper's great. He's great. He's, Good guy. Yeah. He's, I don't know, he's just this uh, older guy with kind of a, yeah. you know, it's hard to describe what he looks like. I'd say his face kind of looks like a smudge. Like, it's hard to remember. <laughs> You know, it's like he's like you printed his picture out. Yeah, and if you somebody... use one of those fucking AI things like Dolly or Crayon. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It would be like he's got very well defined muscles. He's very yeah. muscly. A, a very uncanny valley. Right. Yeah. Very well defined muscles. Right. right. Very well defined <laughs> to the point that it makes you a little uh, flush under the collar. Right. Yeah. Under the jersey, I should You're right. say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's too bad that they're not basketball shorts. They're only basketball shorts and not some more restrictive material, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Anyway, he's always smeared with hamburger grease, and he's got cigarette ash in his uh It's hard chest to guard hair. him. And he's very hard to guard because he does not smell pleasant, and he's very greasy all the time. <laughs> slippery. Slimy. He'll set up the pick and roll and slip right through. <laughs> yeah. He slides around the court. Oh, yeah. Like he's on skates. He's, uh, But he's very good at basketball. Oh, and, he's great at basketball. I mean, he's a good compliment to us. Yeah, he can play that three spot that we need. Um, you're You're on center. You're on the four. Right. You're you're that power forward. You're just fucking backing that dump truck up. Yeah. Into dudes. Yeah. It's real fucking hard. As hard as I can. I mean, and that's the name of the game, right? Is you gotta you gotta clear that space under the basket. And that's what I'm good at is just, you know, putting my body 
on another guy's body <laughs> and just backing into it repeatedly. Over and over again. Yeah, I really wish there was some other material than basketball shorts. That mesh just, yeah, you know, doesn't leave much to the imagination. But uh, we did a really good job. We got to the we got to the rec league championship. We game. did. And Mr. Hooper, this is not his first rec league championship game. No, he's been in this league a little while. And uh, one after the after the semifinal game, he he had us in the locker room. He sat us down on his knee. All three of us were nude. And it's a locker room. He said, You guys, you boys got to get focused. Hmm. The championship game is coming up and you're doing great, but I need you top of form yeah. for this game. Yeah. And so he recommended to us that we go get our minds right so that we could focus on the game because he knows us. We got a lot going on in our lives. And, yeah. we, you know, we can be a little bit scattered at times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he gave us two vouchers. All his life. All his life. And he gave us two vouchers to go to cheeseburger. He gave us cheeseburger. Two, he gave us two vouchers <laughs> to go to a sensory deprivation spa. Wow, we yeah. So we each got a ticket to go to the sensory deprivation chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with this, it's like a pod that you go into. It's filled with water that's very salinated so that you float. Yeah, um, and you just basically go in without light or sound or anything. Anything. You're just deprived of all of your sensory stimulation for an hour. Yeah. So we both agreed to do it. Um, we went into the pods. I mean, I can't speak to Art's experience, but um, you know, when I got in there, lights went off and the pod was sealed. I mean, I saw the I saw what I always see uh, before I go to sleep at night, which is just visions of me being killed in various ways. I didn't really want to tell you about my experience, but uh, I mean, I'll cut this out in post, but uh, I peed the pod. You peed in the pod? Peed the pod. It said the water doesn't circulate, though. You're just sitting in your own piss. It's like any other time I took a bath. Is they're going to kick me out of there like they did those Russian bathhouses. They're fucking sitting there slapping me with old leaves. I have to take a piss. I don't know what it is. It's just. You weren't even in the water, though. That was the problem at the bathhouse. You were on that table where they hit you with the leaves. I peed the pod. And then you you put your. I peed the pod. You put your little ding dong through the slats in the wooden table and you peed on the floor. All these guys with funny hats and towels. You're comfy. Take a piss. Can't help it. It's involuntary, Andy. I peed the pod. I'll cut this out. I just want to let you know that, that I'm embarrassed about it and I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So don't bring up my experience in the pod, please. Other than that, I had a great time. Okay. Well, so my t- cut. So my cheeseburger. <laughs> so my time in the pod was great. Thanks, Andy, for bringing that up. Uh, I had nothing. I, ha- I just uh, floated there, and I think I might have fallen asleep. At one wow. Point. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I, I mean, I just saw visions of my own death yeah. for a while, and then, yeah. I mean, things started to get really confusing. Yeah. There was a lot of jostling. <laughs> And I felt like maybe there was some sort of an earthquake, but yeah. you know, I also started to have this this thought of, well, you know, because you're deprived of senses, you can't you don't have context. Yeah, you can't feel. So it I was touch. like, well, maybe this is like a vibrating aspect of this. Yeah, like, maybe I'm having a weird out of body experience or something. Yeah, or yeah, this could be something that I'm just experiencing myself. 
So, you know, I didn't think anything of it. Then, you know, when it's time to come out of the pod, lights come on slowly. Little music starts to play to bring you back to reality. Yeah. We opened our pods. Here we were in the bunker. And it all became so clear. Maybe it was the sensory deprivation that made me realize Mr. Bunker all along was those two pods. (laughs) There really was no sensory deprivation pod. We got into Mr. Bunker. Fuck! The championship game! I just feel so bad letting Mr. Hooper down. Fuck, I hate letting it down, Mr. Hooper. The game is right now, but we aren't allowed to go. Ball is life, dude. Ball is life, and we're... Fuck. We're not balling right now. Who? He's out there. He's not going to have anybody screaming brick. He's not going to have anybody screaming and one. He's not going to have anybody shoving their face and their hand in other people's face every time they try to do any... Reaching in constantly... Grabbing jerseys, hugging dudes. He's not going to have somebody bent over at the waist, rubbing their buttocks against other people's genitals. He's got no one at the four. He's got no one at the one to pass the rock. Yeah. His team's going to fall apart, but I hope that he does well. I hope he doesn't have to forfeit. All that fucking work, Andy, that training in the gym Mm -hmm. from 4.30 a.m. to 4.15 a.m. the next day. Right. Just balling out training right shooting shots draining threes pretending to dunk we're not tall enough to dunk but it's important that you think about how you could dunk in case you get into that situation 90 percent of your basketball training should be practicing dunks right fyi i don't know what i don't know what all these ding dong coaches are doing out there today Yeah. yeah trying to teach things like defense but right I know what scores points, and right. it ain't defense. Conditioning it's is bullshit. Dunking. Defense is stupid. Doesn't win points. Dunking. It's dunking. Cool. Yeah. Time to make the donuts. So here we are again. Here we are. But, you know, don't let, don't let um, our failures yeah. reflect poorly on Mr. Hooper. Mr. Hooper was our basketball sensei. Yeah, Melvin and the Bunk Monks. Melvin and the Bunk Monks. Well, you know, Andy, we might have let down Mr. Hooper, but we, we, we don't have to let down our new patrons. <laughs> well, you're right about that. We've got plenty of time to let them down in <laughs> yeah, the future. Yeah. Once they realize how big a mistake they made. Right. Signing up to be patrons of the show. But yeah. that's a good segue, all right? I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, it's time that we say thank you to our newest patrons of this show. Right. Uh, who we're thanking today are two people who made the difficult decision... <laughs> To go to the internet and visit patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod <laughs> and sign up to be patrons of this show. Yeah. So we have two very good patrons that we want to thank right now. Um, so first of all, we're going to thank um, our first patron on the list, Hugh Janus. Hugh Janus. Hugh Janus. I hope I'm saying that right. Are and we saying that right, Hugh Janus? Hugh Janus. Hugh Janus. It might be Hugh Janus. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go with Hugh Janus because yeah. that's how we think. Um, so thank you, Hugh, for signing up thank um, you, Hugh to be a patron of the show. And we also want to thank our our second newest patron, uh, Arton D. Stoneheart Jr. Arton D. Stoneheart Jr. Uh, so I can only assume that this is our child. This is our love child. Yeah, from uh, I don't know when we 
impregnated the same person. But yikes! Um, that's another story for Are another you day. Make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look for that DNA test coming up later on, Maury Povich. But thank you, Art and D. Hearthstone Junior. Yes, uh, our son. Uh, we also uh, want to do for both of you, Hugh and Artendy, we want to do for you uh, something special. And it's something that we like to do here on this program. And it's called the Bunker Alarm. And what we do is we turn on a machine that sends a long distance dedication out to you of a specially synced alarm to celebrate your becoming a patron. This machine is called the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000. And it's a flawless piece of equipment. Let me switch it on. Okay. I think it's purring today, huh? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Um, oh, a lot of diesel fumes. Oh God. Um, wow, those are yeah, those are thick. Woo! Smog. Don't worry, that'll clear up. Smog. Desolation of smog over here. Don't worry, that'll clear up in a little bit. Yeah, we'll forget uh, that existed. <laughs> so, uh, uh, okay, so now I'm going to look through the catalog of alarms here. <laughs> oh, God, oh, these the fumes are really thick. Dude, smog. Too much smog Too much smog. Someone give me that forbidden ring, because that one ring is, woo. Too much smog in here. I guess we really know what Duren's bane was then. All oh, this fucking fumes. <laughs> Anywho, I'm going to look through the catalog here. We're going to find some good alarms for Hugh and Ertendy. <laughs> All right, just pull this lever. <laughs> oh, it's stuck. <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> oh, this thing could use a little grease. <laughs> That's what things <laughs> They need grease. Oh, yeah, that's very greasy. Sounding. All right, let me just turn this crank. That's the sound the machines make. That's a nice oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, okay, just drop the crane now. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's <laughs> You had to do the fucking crane. Yeah, it's hand. one of these crane game things to yeah. pick the alarm. All right, it's got something. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, Hugh Janus and Art and D. Hearthstone Jr., thank you so much for being patrons of this show. Uh, we hope you truly enjoy the 40-plus hours of behind-the-scenes Patreon-exclusive content. Yeah. available on Patreon. We hope you enjoy the cooking video. We hope you enjoy access to the Bunker Discord. And most importantly, we hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Here's your bunker alarm in three, two, one. This is the kind of stuff you get in a crane game. Oh, I better turn this machine off. Yeah, get that smoke out of here. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) Smog. Too much smog. Too much smog. Desolation. Feel like I'm in. I'm going to call Bilbo Baggins and bag this up. Get this out of here. Smog. (laughs) Woo. Too much smog. Oh, anyway. <coughs> hey, Bank Fingers. Uh, we got- hey, Bank Fingers. Hugh Janus, uh, Art and D. Stoneheart Jr. Thank you guys so much for being patrons of the show. Too smoggy. Ah, too- 
<laughs> They're smoky. Oh, boy. That's what they call it. The smoky bottom boys. <laughs> uh, anyway, Bug Bunkers, uh, that's our bunker alarm for today. I think that means that we're about ready to move on. Down yeah. The line. We're headed to Whew. Georgia so we can, we can satisfy Art's salacious desires for breaking bunker news. Bunk bunkers, I'm nervous. I'm on edge. I'm excited. I hope you are, too. All right, so uh, without further ado, let's jump into the the gorgeous Georgia Guidestones here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Beefers, we have quite a topic for you today. We're talking about a mysterious American monument of somewhat unknown origin, which contains a controversial message and which was recently blown up and torn down. That's right. This is late breaking bunker news here. Okay. Now, if you haven't guessed already, I'm referring to the Georgia Guidestones, the pile of rubble that used to be a bunch of stone tablets. Note to self. The pile of rubble that used to be a bunch of stone tablets could be a good subtitle for my next autobiography. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Uh, so what are the Georgia Guidestones? Are, you're very curious about this. I I've been, I was hearing all about it on the Bunker Discord, patreon.com forward slash Mr. BunkerPod. And I just, you know, this is breaking Bunker news. Yeah, so... The Georgia Guidestones, uh, and I'm going to be like a Wikipedia editor here. I already updated all of my references to R to were, but if I forgot some, call me out on it. Whoa. The Georgia Guidestones were a granite monument in Elbert County, Georgia, which is near the South Carolina border. Unlike me, the Guidestones were fully erected in 1980. Personally, I haven't been able to get an erection since 1972. <laughs> Anywho, the guide, the guide stones were a collection of six huge granite blocks, four arranged in something like a letter X, one in the center of all the X arranged blocks, and one on top of the other blocks, the capstone. There was also a tablet with explanations about the guide stones features on a separate granite slab a little to the west of the monument itself. Now, according to this explanatory slab, Here's some of the stats about the size of the Guidestones. Return the slab. Any Courage of Cowardly Dog fans out there? Hit me up. Scared the shit out of me as a kid. Let him know. Anyway, sorry. Cowardly art. Jeez Louise. (laughs) It's a cartoon art. Return the slab. (laughs) I don't remember this one. Oh, Ramses. It was scary. Okay. So here's some stats about the Guidestones. Look at these things. The overall height, 19 feet. Three inches. Total weight, 237,746 pounds. Ding, ding. Four major stones, uh, so these are the four X stones, are 16 feet, four inches high, each weighing an average of 42,437 pounds. The center stone is 16 feet, four inches high, and weighs 20,957 pounds. Jesus Christ. The capstone on top of everything is nine feet, uh, eight inches long, Six feet, six six inches wide, and one foot, seven inches thick, and weighs 24,832 pounds. 
The support stones or the bases for the uh, monument are seven feet, four inches long, two feet wide, one foot, four inches thick, and each weigh an average of 4,875 pounds. Uh, another support stone in the base is uh, or uh, four feet, two and a half inches long, two feet, two inches wide, one foot, seven inches thick, and weighs 2,707 pounds. Uh, overall, the monument has 951 cubic feet of granite. Uh, the granite in the monument was all quarried from Pyramid Quarries, located three miles west of Elberton, Georgia. So right in the area. Now, these massive granite stones were arranged in such a way that they tended to evoke the image of world wonder Stonehenge, right. which is in England. Of course. In fact, the guide stones have even been referred to as the American Stonehenge. Clever. Very cool. I can see the connection very clearly. Good marketing, good branding. Well, and let's be honest, Bing Finks, the comparison is apt because like ancient Stonehenge, the modern guide stones served as a celestial clock of sorts, recording the passage of time through special features that were built into the monument. So the four large upright granite slabs, so these are the X-arranged granite slabs, mm-hmm. um, are oriented to the limits of the moon's migration during the course of the year. So they're like oriented toward where the moon is through the course of the year. An eye-level oblique hole is drilled in one of the stones upward toward the <laughs> celestial heavens and is oriented on Polaris, the North Star. So it points at Polaris throughout Polaris. the year. Polaris! Lights of Polaris. Megadeth. Megadeth. That's Dave Mustaine over there. Nah, just kidding, guys. That's art. (laughs) (laughs) You had your fooled, though. Um, So in the middle of that same stone that points at Polaris, there's a large slot, uh, like a mail slot, uh, with a hole cut through granite. A large I don't know why I said schlot instead of slot. Yeah, give me a pastrami with extra schlot. (laughs) I don't like schlot. I don't like onions. I like schlots. They're a little milder than onions. Chop up those schlots real nice and thin and sweat them. It's me, Gordon Ramsay. It's me, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> so uh, this this slot with a hole cut through the granite, uh, orienting the monument with summer and winter solstices. Uh, and this stone, the same stone, catches the noontime sunlight. Uh, thanks to sl- the slot? No, there's a hole drilled in the capstone. Oh. And the light of the sun at noon shines through this hole. And on the same block, it illuminates the calendar day of the year. Whoa. So okay. it illuminates what the, the date. Fuck is this, dude? Huh? What are these things? So you can track the movements of the moon, you can track the solstices, uh, and you can find what date it is and and when it's noon. Well, that's good because I can't think of any kind of modern device that could do all those things. And because of the construction, this thing is basically a giant sundial. It is. It's very sundial-esque. Right. So, but there's more to the guide stones uh, than just all that astronomical stuff and being big and whatever. The guide stones also carry a message for humanity. Yeah. A message consisting of, stop me if you've heard this before, a set of 10 guidelines Hmm. or principles, uh, which were engraved on the guide stones in eight different languages. No. No. Never heard of uh, idea of 10 precepts? No. For life? Okay. No. Uh, well, this is a new... I've new heard concept. of eight rules for dating my daughter. Right. And I've heard of the 13 rules for dating my uncle, but <laughs> I've not heard of 10, 10 laws. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the Guidestones have 10 precepts, which are printed in eight different languages, each one, each language on one of the faces of the four outer slabs of granite. Okay. 
So moving clockwise around the structure from due north, these languages were English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, traditional Chinese characters, and Russian. Uh, and most of these languages were chosen because they represented uh, a majority of humanity, uh, while Hebrew was chosen because of its connections to Judaism and Christianity. So these are the Ten Commandments that are inscribed on the X-Arranged Guidestones. Number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, rule with faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And 10, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. <laughs> I mean, population control and eugenics right out of the gate? These are some aggressive commandments. <laughs> yeah. This is going hard right away. Uh, so anyway, sandblasted along the the sides of the capstone. So the capstone is like a square, right? Right, right, right. And so along each of the sides, they have um, other text that's sandblasted um, that sits above these larger blocks. Oh. So sandblasted along the capstone uh, is this basic message. Let these be guidestones to an age of reason. So it says the same thing on all four sides of the capstone. Yes. But on each side of the capstone, it's a different language. Mm -hmm. It's in Babylonian cuneiform, Egyptian hieroglyphics, Sanskrit, and ancient Greek, uh, each, each on one side of the capstone. So no less than the United Nations provided the translations for these languages, as well as some of the other living languages. Hmm. So that's kind of what the guidestones were. Let's talk about their construction now. So clearly, the Guidestones are an impressive monument uh, and have an interesting message. I mean, no matter what way you slice it. But ever since the unveiling of the Guidestones on March 22nd, 1980, which, by the way, that was the date of the vernal equinox that year, uh, people have been interested in how the Guidestones were constructed and, more importantly, why yeah. they were constructed. So uh, the Guidestones' mysterious origins go back to the summer of 1979 when, in June of that year, a man who called himself R.C. Christian arrived in Elberton, uh, which is the self-styled granite capital of oh, the world. My favorite cola and my favorite religion. <laughs> Finally together in right. one human. Right. You could drink this guy up. Oh, what a tall glass of fizzy pop. <laughs> that was his nickname, too, fizzy pop. <laughs> so uh, R.C. Christian came to Elberton, which uh, refers to itself as the granite capital of the world, in search of both a granite firm to execute his design for a monument and to find a suitable site for the construction of the same monument. So the man right away admitted that the name R.C. Christian was a pseudonym chosen because it represented his own beliefs and those of the organization that planned and funded the project. Uh, so Jay Weidner, uh, author, filmmaker, and director of Kubrick's Odyssey, 
which you may remember being discussed. I do remember that. Yeah. You watched that, if I'm not mistaken? That was probably more worth money than the other thing I had to spend money on, that stupid bullshit PowerPoint. So you That it. was at least an actual movie. <laughs> Your entertainment dollars go by uh, Kubrick's Odyssey over that PowerPoint. So uh, Jay Wiedner thinks the name R.C. Christian is a reference to Christian Rosenkreutz, the legendary founder of the Order of the Rose Cross, a.k.a. The Rosicrucian Order. Ooh, Rosicrucian. Right. Rosicrucians have come up a few times on this podcast. Now, if you don't remember, Rosicrucianism is a cultural and spiritual movement that started in the 1600s in Europe with the publication of three manifestos that formed the preliminary basis of Rosicrucianism and their esoteric pursuits. Wow. Now, the manifestos tell the tale of a of Christian Rosenkreutz, a German aristocrat who became an orphan, was raised in a monastery and learned esoteric wisdom and alchemy on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Rosenkreutz is just really funny. <laughs> I just think that's a funny name, yeah. Rosenkreutz. Yeah. Uh, so when Rosenkreutz, Rosen- when Rosenkreutz <laughs> returned to Europe from the Holy Land, he got together a small group of no more than eight members, all doctors, including himself. He was a doctor, 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 who healed the sick for free. Nice. And this was sort of their way of through this group, passing down this esoteric wisdom about the universe. So to this day, the RC Christian from the Georgia Guidestones, his real name and the true identity of his organization are definitively unknown. But more on this later. Wink. Now, Christian claimed that he chose Elbert County because of its abundant supply of granite, uh, the rural nature of its landscape, and its relatively mild climate. And apparently because he had some relatives who used to live there in that area. So okay. uh, the location of the Guidestones, interestingly, is the highest elevation in Elbert County. Okay. So they found the highest spot in the county. Um, Christian also liked the site that was chosen because um, it was away from crowds and tourists, even though it, the monument kind of ended up becoming a bit of a tourist destination. Right, right, right. So the area chosen was in close proximity to what the Cherokee Indians called Alieli Alohi, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but this is like the center of the you world. You are. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize to all <laughs> Cherokee people listening to this or anybody that knows the Cherokee language. But it's uh, allegedly, according to locals, this is close to what the Cherokee say is the center of the world. Whoa. So that's, that's neat. Interesting, right? So, yeah. So now, in order to build the Guidestones, R.C. Christian approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company uh, on behalf of what he described to the company as, quote, a small group of loyal Americans, end quote. Um, So he explained that the stones would function as a compass, calendar, and clock, and should be capable of, quote, withstanding catastrophic events, Mm. end quote. Mm. I guess I hope they kept the receipts on this. Because spoiler alert, it did not withstand a catastrophic (laughs) event. Failed the stress test. Some insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. So anyway... This next part will probably not be surprising considering what I've already shared, but Christian said he wanted a granite monument built that could rival Stonehenge, drawing inspiration from that structure after he visited it. So he also said that while Stonehenge was impressive, it didn't have a message to communicate. It wasn't clear what ancient human beings were trying to communicate. Yeah, those stupid fucking pagan druids. Fucking didn't think ahead dummies. about this. Didn't, didn't think, think ahead. ahead. Didn't think no ahead. No fucking vision. No foresight. This is where fucking our C. Christians got those druids. 
He thought ahead. Yeah. Had a message. So Christian provided Elberton Granite Finishing Company with a scale model, wooden model of the Guidestones and 10 pages of specifications for its construction. Joe Fenley, who was the president of Elberton Granite and soon to be mayor of Elberton, believed that Christian was, quote, a nut and attempted to discourage him. A by, Georgia nut. He was a peanut. <laughs> but he just he attempted to discourage Christian from pursuing this by providing a price quote for the job, which was much higher than any project the company had previously taken on. Oh, God. Um, and he told Christian that the Guidestones would need all kinds of specialized tools and they would need paid consultants to work on the project. <laughs> much to Finley's surprise, Christian said, okay, and just accepted the quote without haggling at all. Jesus Christ. So when arranging payment, Christian claimed that he represented a group that had been planning the Guidestones for 20 years. Holy shit. And they wanted to remain anonymous. So the construction contract even dictated that all the plans associated with the Guidestones and all of the legal paperwork related to it was destroyed after the Guidestones were built. And all information about Christian himself was withheld from the public. Again, more on that later. So the total cost of the project was not revealed, but it was over $100,000 U.S. at the time, uh, which at least at the time of this recording is equal to about $370,000. But I just want to say, if you're listening at a specific point in the future that I'm thinking of, I'm not going to say when exactly. You have to guess and let us know. But if you're listening at the exact time I'm thinking of, the $100,000 from 1979 would be equal to $690,069. Tweet at us when you figure it out. (laughs) You math freaks out there. (laughs) You math freaks who can predict the future, too. Yeah. So anyway, the Charlotte Observer reported in 1993 that the total cost was said to be actually around $500,000. So making it significantly more expensive than the $100,000 we just talked about. Okay. But nobody knows for sure. That's not a that's not a fact. That's this is getting weird and wild. So during their last meeting between Fenley and Christian, uh, Mr. Christian told Mr. Fenley, quote, Mr. Christian to Mr. Friendly. What's his name? Friendly? F- Fenley. <laughs> Mr. Christian, now your monuments built. <laughs> uh, so anyway, during the last meeting, the two of these guys had Christian says to Fenley, quote, You'll never see me again. <laughs> End quote. And walked out without even shaking fuck? his hand. What is going on, dude? What Just walks out on? of the room. You'll never see me again and walks this out. This is so fucking weird. I'm captivated. Bunk bunkers. Captivated. <laughs> so perhaps even more interestingly than how the monument was constructed, even though I think you agree that was a pretty interesting story, is why it was constructed, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're here for. So according to the contemporary news sources from the time, the Guidestones, uh, from the time of the Guidestones unveiling, so this is like local Georgia news sources in 1980. Um, yeah, this the, isn't really a national story. No, at the time, this doesn't make national news. This is not a big thing. It's a local, people are very interested locally, but this doesn't make big waves nationally or internationally. So according to those news sources, the purpose of the monument was to provide guidance to humanity after what the sponsors of the Guidestones believed was an impending nuclear, social, or economic disaster. Mm. So according to Hudson Corey of the Elberton Granite Finishing Company, this is like a spokesperson for the company, he said, quote, the Guidestones will permit survivors of a disaster to reestablish time as we know it, end quote. Now, at the monument's unveiling, 
The following statement was read, which was supposedly supplied by the folks behind the Guidestones. Quote, in order to avoid debate, we, the sponsors of the Georgia Guidestones, have a simple message for human beings now and for the future. We believe our precepts are sound and they must stand on their own merits. End quote. Wow. Anyway, the, <laughs> the monument itself had the following text engraved on it. Quote, sponsors, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. End quote. So, Art's looking very pensive right now. Mm-hmm. He's trying to think about this. Um, so, obviously, controversy surrounding the Guidestones has existed even since even before it was done being constructed. Yeah. So, even while the project was ongoing, while it was still being built, members of the Elberton Granite Association, who were jealous of the attention being shown to Joe Fenley... Um, Developed the hypothesis that Joe Fenley was behind the whole thing. Whoa. The gossip got so hot and so bad that Fenley even agreed to take a lie detector test at the Elberton Civic Center to prove he wasn't the mysterious RC Christian. It wasn't. It was actually Pepsi Islam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's it's not. It's actually Barks Hinduism. (laughs) It's Coke Shinto. Ew, my God, it's Mountain Dew Buddhism. <laughs> that's so stupid. Well, now I know if I have another child, but I'm going to name him Mountain yeah. Dew Buddhism. Yeah, that's a great name. Uh, so anyway, Fenley goes to the Civic Center to take a Jesus lie detector Christ. test. And according to the Elberton Star, the local newspaper, he passed the test convincingly. He was not behind the whole thing. Wow. So during construction, the sandblaster working on doing all all of the and all of the lettering and stuff that was on the monument. Um, so that's over four thousand characters. These, these are stones. just guys who were contracted to do this. They're like, I have no fucking clue what any of this is. Someone so like just this told me, yeah, this sandblaster is working off stencils. So right. it's not like he's uh, an expert in Swahili language or something. Right. You know, he's got a stencil. They translated the what they wanted it to say. They made the stencils for the granite slabs, and so he's just the sandblaster working on it. But. What he said, this guy, his name is Charlie Clamp, which is a good name, too. Great fucking name. Great fucking name, Charlie Clamp. So, (laughs) Clamp, Clamp, Clamp. So, he says that while he was working on the monument, he constantly heard, quote, strange music and disjointed voices, end quote. Uh, So, this gave plenty of fuel to people. Clamp might have a clap. Yeah, Clamp. He might have the clap. He might be suffering from syphilis. Let's have him check that. (laughs) So, this gave a lot of fuel, though, to people who thought something satanic or occult was being built in Elberton County. It's very interesting because it seems like these monuments are very Christian. I mean, fuck, they got started by a guy named fucking Royal Crown Cola fucking Christian himself. Right. But they're like, no, something's fucking up with these things. Actual Christians in the area don't feel that way. Right. That this is very Christ- Christian-like at all. So the controversy didn't calm down at all once the Guidestones were unveiled, of course. So... While the Guidestones have some useful ideas to impart, like, you know, taking care of the environment and having fair laws, uh, some of the other messages got people pretty darn riled up, Art. People were getting fired up about this stuff. <laughs> so, for example, the Guidestones say that world population should be kept under 500 million people. Okay. In 1980, when the Guidestones were unveiled, the world population was almost 4.5 billion to get under 500 million people, about 90% of the global population would have to die. To many, 
this commandment and the following commandment about selective reproduction, they kind of reek of Nazi stink. Well, Andy, I would like to offer, I think I figured out the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> Go ahead. It was Thanos. <laughs> Thanos was behind the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, well, he could only get 50% of that. He could. He would have to snap a couple of different times. Yeah, he could do a couple more snaps. Yeah, he'd have to snap a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's fucking weird. Those are fucking weird. So people thought maybe this is a Nazi thing. Um, people have likened the Guidestones to a manual for worldwide genocide, for a worldwide genocide plot, which some saw as manifest in an outbreak of Ebola in 2014. I remember that. Which folks believed would eventually kill all of humanity. And they thought this was like the Guidestones had predict had predicated this. So, but some say the Fuhrer over the population control commandment is a perfect example of misinterpretation. Because if you take it in the context of that, all of these commandments apply after a horrific catastrophe has befallen the earth. Maybe it's not so crazy to think that world population would be under 500 million after a horrible uh, nuclear holocaust. Uh, uh. So to all you people out there saying the world is overpopulated by exactly two podcast hosts, take a chill pill and let's let the apocalypse sort out first, okay? <laughs> people, are, people are saying that. People have been, there's, there's just too, too many. Too, there's too many. Not, there's not... It's not that it's a big problem, but there's two specifically that are overpopulating the podcast host population. <laughs> so plenty of people, of course, have accused the Guidestones of being satanic thanks to these commandments about population control, uh, selective reproduction, but also having a common language and a tempered approach to faith and tradition. So let's not forget, Art, the biblical story of the Tower of Babel, Babel. where we learn it's God's will Bible. that people don't speak all the same language. Bible. Bible. <clears throat> Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. Okay. And the, whole word, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dealt, dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone. And slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Amen. So don't forget this either, Art. Uh, this comes back in Revelation. Uh, with a world government and common language being part of the goals of the Antichrist. There's a big biblical threat of this. Yeah, what's this fucking... I never realized this was such a big deal, this this common language bullshit. I know, you didn't think about it, but you forgot about it. But I also... You don't shouldn't forget those. And you also shouldn't forget about my most popular mukbang video, The Tower of Baby Bell Cheese. Don't forget about that one either. I can't. It burned into my fucking retinas. <laughs> you shoving... Baby bell cheese after baby bell cheese after baby bell cheese into your mouth. And it's just like, oh, and just to be clear, bug funkers, these are not extreme meals for me. These are just normal. It's just, it's just me eating a normal meal. 
<laughs> oh, bunk bunkers, it's nauseating, to say the least. So, uh, almost right from the time of the monument's construction, locals were accusing the Guidestones of being some sort of satanic altar where human sacrifice or animal sacrifices would be performed. Rumors say, local rumors say that there have been several chickens found beheaded at the site of the Guidestones. Uh, Wired, the magazine, described the reaction of people opposed to the Guidestones as considering the monument, quote, the Ten Commandments of the Antichrist, end quote. Oh, wow. Which is pretty freaking badass. Yeah. Uh, it's badass. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, author Mark Dice, uh, who is the author of the book Resistance Manifesto, called for the destruction of the Guidestones in 2005 because he felt they had, quote, a deep satanic origin, end quote. Whoa. And I think Dice does a pretty good job of summing up a lot of the concerns that people have with, with respect to the Guidestones and Satanism. Because according to Dice, uh, R.C. Christian was a high-ranking member of a, quote, of, quote, a Luciferian secret society, end quote, at the forefront of the New World Order. Quote, here's another quote from Dice. The elite are planning to develop successful life extension technology in the next few decades that will nearly stop the aging process. And they fear that with the current population of Earth so high, the masses will be using resources that the elite want for themselves. The Guidestones are the New World Order's Ten Commandments. They're also a way for the elite to get a laugh at the expense of the uniform of the uninformed masses as their agenda stands as clear as day and the zombies don't even notice it, end quote. Andy, here's another quote from Dice. <laughs> I know where this is going. Oh, that tower is full of satanic power. That, that obelisk is full of satanic power. I'm going to blow up that tower. Oh. <laughs> and bunkfuckers, if you haven't heard, if you haven't seen Gilbert Gottfried's impression of Andrew <laughs> Dice Clay, go look up uh, Gilbert Dice Godfrey. <laughs> Ow! 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 So anyway, uh, that's what that's what Mark Dice had. Very to say. pretty intense. He's right. very, he's feeling very bad about it. So coming back to Jay Weedner, uh, he also has an idea about what the Guidestones could have been built for. He believes that for generations the Rosicrucians. Remember, he thinks that R.C. Christian is probably c- connected to the Rosicrucians. Uh, that for generations, Rosicrucians have been passing down knowledge of a solar cycle that climaxes, like me, every 13,000 years. <laughs> now, during this uh, climax, outsized coronal mass ejections from the sun are supposed to devastate the Earth. So Wiedner believed that the sponsors of the Guidestones were orchestrating what he called planetary chaos that would result eventually in disruptions of oil, food supplies, uh, there would be mass riots, uh, wars worldwide, and this would all lead up to the big event happening on December twenty first, two thousand twelve. Uh, you might want to hmm. might want to rethink this hypothesis. So anyway, uh, but maybe don't rethink it. Okay, maybe don't rethink it. As Brad Meltzer points out, a famous clairvoyant and subject of this podcast, Edgar Casey, probably more known for being on this podcast than. Yeah, his actual life. And Brad Meltzer, hosted of History Channel's Decoded, right? Right. History Channel's Decoded, author of many books on cons- yeah. conspiracies. Um, so Brad Meltzer suggested um, that Edgar Casey first proposed the Earth Changes theory, which says that the Earth is approaching a time of devastating change to its surface. These changes could be the result of things like earthquakes or asteroids, comets, uh, supervolcanoes, solar flares, anything. But it's going to cause name it. 
massive upheaval on the surface of the earth, right? So according to Meltzer, what matters for the purposes of decoding the Guidestones is the outcome of this devastation. So that means that the surface of the earth would be radically altered uh, and that a lot of people would be unable to recognize the area around them because it's going to be so changed. So according to Casey's earth changes theory, there's some spots on earth, which uh, Casey referred to as safe zones, uh, which would not be affected by these changes uh, and also would provide psychic focus for people who are survivors uh, for their energy needed to rebuild the world. Asterisk footnote. Right. Also psychic Psychic powers. I mean, yeah, it's Edgar Edgar Casey. So you got to expect this. Um, (laughs) One of those safe zones is in rural Georgia where the guide stones are located. Could see it. Now, uh, to be fair to Brad Meltzer, uh, he believed the guide stones were constructed against the backdrop of what he actually thinks happened is that the guide stones were constructed against the backdrop of possible nuclear war, considering that they were built at the height of the cold war. Here's what Meltzer says, quote, I think that it was the possibility of just such a nuclear Holocaust that prompted RC Christian to create the message he placed on the Georgia guide stones. A message intended for the survivors of a global nuclear holocaust, a message designed to help them restore a balance to the earth and to avoid the mistakes that destroyed their ancestors, end quote. Now, not long after being unveiled, an Atlanta-based witch's coven adopted the Guidestones okay. as their home away from home. Okay. Uh, they went there on the weekends to Elberton to stage various pagan rites. Is that fair? What? They could just adopt it, claim it as their own, and well, yeah, it's public property. Public property, yeah, they could go there and do that. And they even hosted at least one warlock witch marriage ceremony. Aww. Aww. Cute. But maybe the Guidestones... Mazel tov to the happy couple. <laughs> mazel tov. Is that what you say? <laughs> right. I think to witches and warlocks, you say yeah. mazel tov. <laughs> um, so, but Art, maybe the Guidestones were more for extraterrestrials. I could see that. A 1981 article in the monthly magazine UFO Report cited Nani Batchelder, uh, who was identified in the magazine as a, quote, a noted Atlanta psychic, end quote. Um, I think I have a Warhammer 40K faction called Nani, Nani Batchelder. So Nani Batchelder predicted that the true purpose of the guides would be revealed, quote, within the next 30 years, end quote, which is, wow, what a specific prediction. Um, but if you look at the guide stones from it, when they were still standing directly overhead, they form what looks like a giant X on the ground. Uh, and UFO report said, this would make like a perfect landing site. Literally, X marks the spot. So... <laughs> That's one possibility. Oh, I fucking love you UFO people, man. You guys are my favorite. <laughs> They're the best. I They're mean, the best. I'm just saying, X marks is like, it's like, Mwah, chef's kiss. Like, yeah. Never I, change. Everyone could think that, but nobody would be like, there's any significance to that of it yeah. being a giant X on I the know. earth. But I love that UFO people think of that stuff. Uh, so the monument may also have had paranormal properties. Okay. Folks have said that you can't take a picture of the guidestones without a blue orb appearing in the shot. Or if you look through some of the holes that are cut in the slabs, you can see energy passing through the boreholes. Now, some have also believed that the stones, the guide stones had healing properties. And that if you visited the guide stones and stood facing due west with your eyes closed, you may have been healed of your sickness. Uh, It's also been suggested that (laughs) you could go to the guide stones and get down with the sickness, not down with the sickness. Yeah. Um, it's also been suggested that the guide stones were an energy vortex. Oh, now check out our episode on energy vortices for the whole enchilada on that topic. 
All right. So that's some of the things that people have thought about the Guidestones over the years. So let's take a look. They have. Right. Let's take a look at the other side of the coin, though. An author who identified themselves as Robert Christian, R.C. Christian, uh, published a book in 1986. So this is only a few years after the Guidestones were unveiled, titled Common Sense Renewed. And in the book, this Christian writes the following, quote, I am the originator of the Georgia Guidestones and the sole author of its inscriptions. I have had the assistance of a number of other American citizens in bringing the monument into being. We have no mysterious purposes or ulterior motives. We seek common sense pathways to a peaceful world without bias for a particular creeds or philosophies. End quote. For the unveiling ceremony, then U.S. Representative Doug Barnard of Georgia's, Georgia's 10th Congressional District, easy for me to say, which includes Elberton, uh, interpreted the Guidestones as delivering a message that the USA must conserve its natural resources because society and government are limited. Sure. Now, because of its message, the Guidestones have been a frequent target of vandalism over the years, uh, including numerous times when the Guidestones were tagged with graffiti. So in 2008, the stones were defaced with polyurethane uh, and graffiti with slogans such as death to the new world order and Jesus will beat you, only the letter U, not the word U, Satanist and no one world government. Uh, this was allegedly the first time the Guidestones had been the subject of any serious defacement. Um, although to call this the first event uh, completely dismisses the fact that barbed wire fencing had to be put up around the Guidestones by 1981, who did that? Uh, R.C. Christian wrote a check to the county to put up barbed wire fencing oh. around it. Are, is there like any guards or security cameras? Is it just like, come and go, dude? Well, they did eventually put up uh, security cameras. Oh, I'm getting ahead of it. Right. They did eventually after the next uh, major Yeah, not enough. But they put up this barbed wire in 1981. This is only a year after the unveiling. Yeah. And they had to do that because they had to keep the cattle away from the monument. Fucking cows. They were using the guidestones as a scratching post. That's funny. So in September 2014, an employee of the Elbert County Maintenance Department contacted the FBI when the stones were vandalized with graffiti, including the phrase, I am Isis, goddess of love. Yikes. So after that, they installed security cameras on site. Now, let's talk about the destruction. Let's uh, talk about it. The the controversy surrounding the Guidestones came to a head in 2022. In May, Republican candidate for governor of Georgia, Candace Taylor, deemed the site, quote unquote, satanic and vowed to destroy it via executive order <laughs> if she was elected governor. This was actually part of her. She had um, <laughs> part of her campaign for governor <laughs> in the primary, uh, which, by the way, bunkfucker, she finished third. In the, in the primary, so she's not going to go to the general election unless she Same. runs as an independent. But at any way, she had like 10 commandments for her campaign. Like these were like the 10 executive orders that she would pursue as soon as she got office. And number 10 was destroying the Guidestones. That was the final commandment. Vowing to destroy things, I think, is the new phrase that I'm going to use instead of like... Oh, don't worry. I'll like turn that off or I'll can't. I'm, I'm, I vowed to destroy. I vowed to destroy. Hey, can you shut off the light? Yes, I vowed to destroy it when I'm done in this room. <laughs> so, um, so Candace Taylor is bringing this up in uh, early two, 2022 and subsequent attention on social media renewed some interest in the Guidestones because the Guidestones throughout its life had this ebb and wane yeah. of, of interest in it. I At first, people didn't give a shit. 
Or it's like at first the local people were really concerned about it and then nothing kind of happened. And so they just moved on. And then periodically there are people that bring it up and it gets a little more attention. Uh, and then it just kind of fades again. Uh, but this got it more attention uh, now um, in 2022, uh, but especially between like people who are into conspiracies like us mm -hmm. and evangelical Christians who are concerned about the satanic elements of it. So and probably don't like us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but look at that. Look at this Venn diagram of yeah. people. Yeah. Look at, look at us diagram. coming together. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> All on the Georgia Guidestones. It brought everyone together. <laughs> so in the early morning hours of July 6th, 2022, an explosion destroyed part of the monument. Specifically, it destroyed the Swahili and Hindi language slab. And it caused significant damage to the capstone above. Uh, local and state police discovered evidence of a bomb at the scene and released camera footage of the detonation, which showed a person, maybe. Discord suggested it could have been Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, <laughs> Did we? <laughs> running up to and away from the monument, and they showed they showed a video of a silver sedan fleeing the scene. Nearby residents reportedly heard and felt explosions around 4 a.m., and interestingly, the explanation tablet at the site made reference to a time capsule buried under the monument, uh, about six feet deep. Um, and on the explanation tablet, the spaces to indicate when the tablet was buried and when to dig it up were left blank. So this led to a lot of speculation that maybe there was not actually a time capsule underneath the Georgia Guidestones. And according to the Elberton Star, officials looked for the time capsule. They dug six feet under the monument when they tore it down but failed to find any evidence of the time capsule. The Georgia Bureau of Investigations, um, I guess, spoiler alert, I already did this, but uh, they demolished the Guidestones later in the day on July 6th, um, citing concerns for public safety because the monument had become unstable. Uh, their investigation Same. is ongoing, though. Uh, authorities, have said, authorities have said they've received few leads from the public and haven't made any significant progress on the case at least at the time of this recording. Obviously, this is late-breaking bunker news. Could change in the future. Now, as for Candace Taylor, she believed uh, the Guidestones might have been destroyed by God. Tweeting, quote, God is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do. That includes striking down the satanic Guidestones, end quote. And she tweeted, quote, until I see a video that shows me anything but what looked like lightning or the hand of God moving on a situation, I'm going to believe it was God. End quote. Now, to be fair, she also said that cameras could catch vandals if it was vandalism and that vandals shouldn't have destroyed the monument outside the legal system. Right. Um, so let's talk about, finally, the identity of the sponsor of the Guidestones. <clears throat> oh, baby. I said earlier that we would have more on the true identity of Robert Christian. In 2015, a documentary called Dark Clouds Over Elberton, the true story of the Georgia Guidestones, this, this documentary dropped. And in the doc, the crew chatted with Wyatt Martin, who was the president of the Granite City Bank at the time the Guidestones were built. Now, aside from Joe Fenley and the Elberton at the Elberton Granite Finishing Company, Martin was probably the person who had the most contact with Robert Christian as Martin helped arrange the financing for the project. Even better than Fenley, though, Martin is alleged to be the only person who knew the true identity of Robert Christian. And um, the crew of this documentary persuaded or some say tricked uh, Wyatt Martin, who had sworn himself to secrecy to Robert Christian, swore he would never reveal Christian's identity 
and had kept this secret for so many years. But the crew persuaded him to show them some of his correspondence with Christian. Now, these two guys corresponded from 1979 all the way up until the early 2000s. Uh, they were like pen pals. And when Christian was traveling through Georgia, he would let Wyatt Martin know, and the two of these guys would meet up and have dinner together. Hmm. So they stayed friends. Yeah, but not a ride or die friends, let's just say. Well, yeah, clearly hmm. not. Huh. So, um, a little disrespectful. So Ma- Martin showed the crew some of his correspondence, and they got to see a postmark and a return address revealing that Christian had written from a certain house in Fort Dodge, Iowa, as well as a piece of mail that had been sent to Christian care of a certain quote unquote, Mr. Merriman. Now, all that said, what are these names? dude? Take this with a grain of salt. What I'm about to say next, because Martin previously said that correspondence he received from Christian often had different return addresses. Here's what Martin said. Quote, all of Mr. Christian's correspondence came from different cities around the country he never sent anything from the same place twice, end quote. So Martin showed them a letter dated 14th of July, 1998, in which Christian wrote that he was then, at that time, 78 years old, and also stated that Christian had written, had last written to him around the, the year 2001. So that was about the last time that Martin heard from Christian was 2001. So after the crew contacted the publisher of Common Sense Renewed, This was the book that was allegedly written by Robert Christian in 1986. The filmmakers learned that the book had been published by a man named Robert Merriman who passed away in 1992. So on the basis of patent applications and political campaign finance disclosures, the crew of this documentary identified a physician named Herbert Kinsey Kirsten as the owner of the house at the return address in Fort Dodge, Iowa, And he owned this house from at least 1981 to 2001. Whoa. Uh, And just FYI, Kirsten is a variant of the word Christian in the low German dialect. A nephew of Robert Merriman, Kurt Wilkie, told the filmmakers that Merriman and Kirsten were friends. And Kirsten was described in an obituary as, quote, a naturalist who was very involved in environmental and world population issues, end quote. That was in his obituary. Uh, The same obituary also described Kirsten's wide range of interests. Okay. Buckle up for this quote. Oh, God. Tree farm, walnut farms, woodworking, (gasps) oil and water painting, bridge, like the card game, the Republican Party, (laughs) physics, livestock and grain farming, and music, end quote. All right. Real renaissance, man. The obituary said further, quote, Dr. Kirsten had a broad world vision of humanity and a myriad of personal and academic interests which he pursued with diligent and thorough research. Oh, God. Quote. Now, a local historian told the documentary crew that Kirsten, who passed away in 2005, by the way, had been known, quote-unquote, fairly well in the community for his views about population control, and this historian also said that Kirsten was, quote, racist to his fingertips, end quote. Uh, the historian said further that Kirsten had previously bragged about his friendship with scientist-turned-racist eugenicist William Shockley. Additionally, Kirsten had written letters to the editor of the Des Moines Register newspaper before, praising Ku Klux Klan leader David Duke. Yikes. Could Robert Merriman and Herbert Kirsten be the people behind the mysterious Guidestones? Well, be first, this is one hell of a whodunit, huh? Who built the Georgia Guidestones? Oh, my God. And what did they hope to accomplish? And who blew the damn thing up? There are a lot of questions here. 
man, I sure wish I had some sort of list of things to consider. Almost like, I don't know, some sort of a guide available on a sturdy medium. Jesus. I don't know. Maybe like on a stone. Okay. Like some sort of a guide made out of stone to help me through all of this. Oh, well. (laughs) I'll just have to rely on what I always do. My gut instinct. Yeah, yeah, And my gut is telling me that I need one thing to solve all my problems. A whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There's, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome back. That was my research into the Georgia Guidestones. Art, you're making a deep exhale. Anything you want to get off your chest? Wow, what a fucking topic. Took a, f- a couple of fucking notes here, Andy. Uh, yeah, I saw you. you writing things I down. I writing some fucking notes in my little pad. Oh, my God. Going to get interrogated here. Are we certain that this isn't just the monorail episode from The Simpsons? <laughs> I'm R.C. Christian, and you guys need a guidestone. A guidestone? Guidestones. <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard of, uh, I don't know, any towns in Georgia. Columbus and Decatur and Athens. And Savannah. And it put them on the map. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, R.C. Christian does sound like the name of somebody, a character from the Music Man. This is um, this is this is this is like the most American thing ever. Only in America would you have a what is possibly a like, you know, if you believe who the per if you believe who we who the idea of who Robert Christian is or this R.C. Christian is, right? Mm-hmm. He's obviously a deeply <clears throat> kind of a religious guy with a lot of varying things. And so right. he's so religious and so into things that he builds a fucking monument that he intends to be like, I don't know. Like it has like a lot of ties to Christianity, but then like other people are like, no, nope, fuck that. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I'm going to blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I I read a quote from somebody. <laughs> so funny to me, man. And I don't remember. And then who, they did it. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Wyatt Martin that said, "You know, if people don't like the message, they don't have to come look at it." Right. And then he said, "But I guess somebody didn't want anybody to read the message, so they blew it up." <laughs> <laughs> it's and like, I guess I really feel the same way. It's like I think two extremes got pissed at each other, and then they did yeah. this fucking thing, and then most people are like, "Oh." Whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I it's it's interesting too. I do think that you're right that this is one of the most American things ever. Uh one thing that was interesting is that some people apparently felt that and I didn't really put this in the research because it's so irrelevant. Um but some people have have made the had the thought that the guidestones are actually like some sort of ancient monument. Right. Like but they, no, they came up like in the they, 80s. they don't they don't acknowledge that it was unveiled in 1980 that it's only i could see you know like it's it's only 40 years old it's so closely tied to stonehenge that it's like you know everybody knows colloquially that stonehenge is like this ancient stupid thing (laughs) and um these big fucking rocks this stupid fucking rocks they're one shape who gives a fuck yeah and so um yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so fun. Like it's like no, no. It's like if somebody just erected a bunch of rocks, people will be fine with it. But it's the fact that it has all this messaging on it that people are just like, no, 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 don't fucking like that. That's not fucking flying. Like, which is which is funny too because yeah. that was Christian's whole point, right? And Wyatt Martin even said that on a later meeting with Christian after the monument had been built and everything that. They discussed this re- the reason for the message, and Christian quoted to him that some quote from somebody about Stonehenge, where it's like all you see at Stonehenge are these giant rocks looming over their fallen brethren, and ask them any questions, and you'll only get. I mean, you know, it's they said it much more eloquent. That's, elo- that's fucking poetic. Eloquently, yeah, it was much more poetic than me. But it's like ask them any questions, and they'll never be able to answer you. Basically, like their their secrets are their own. And you'll never be able to figure them out because uh, it's lost to time. And so like that was a big inspiration for Christian and whoever sponsored this, that they wanted there to be a clear vision with this monument. They didn't want people in the future to be able to question why does this exist? Well, if they were fucking if they were fucking uh, designing this for 20 years, maybe they needed to put a little extra, maybe another another 10 on the fucking designs here because uh, they should have done a couple of beta tests first. Like, <laughs> put up some fucking, like, cheaper... Like, hey, how are people going to react to... Oh, you think it's eugenics? Oh, fuck. All right. Well, man, oh, maybe we didn't consider that. Let's do well, an A-B maybe test. maybe that was what they wanted, though. 
it it does come off very like it seems like somebody who is like some fucking like asshole who's like you know what i think those nazis were misinterpreted let's let's spin their message a different way it's like listen buddy <laughs> so the thing that it, the thing that it said okay with the stewardship of the earth that's right, great right but this whole like population control i kind of get a little skeeved out i'm right. like the eugenics is definitely making me uncomfortable it's like a little okay <laughs> but this guy i was reading about um you know uh the historian in fort dodge uh which Dr. Kirsten was allegedly Herbert Kirsten was, uh, you know, allegedly involved in the historical society. So in theory, this historian would know this guy pretty well. Um, He said that uh, Kirsten was bragged about his friendship with this uh, Shockley guy Mm -hmm. who was a scientist. And then, so like I was reading about Shockley a little bit. Um, He, he won a Nobel prize Mm -hmm. um, for his work in like electronics. Uh, And he eventually, basically left the electronic sciences um, kind of when he retired from being a professor. So he was like a very well-respected scientist and he turned his complete focus to um, like genetics and eugenics, even though he wasn't like trained in biology or genetics. Um, It's a slippery slope. Some of this uh, genetic shit, right? It's like, Hey, we can maybe eliminate diseases from like fetuses and shit, and we can find stem cells and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, okay. And then, uh, then it's a very slippery slope, though. It, it gets real fucking like yeah, uh, yeah. that one movie with Ethan Hawke where it's like we're designing perfect babies, right? It's kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, and Shock- going on? Shockley had this layer, of, this layer of racism on top of it, where yeah. he was like, you know, black people are not as smart as white, right, people, right, right, that right, kind right, of thing. Yeah. And so he's like very open about these beliefs. Um, and other people were like, you know, he grew up in like the segregated USA sure. and he lived in Northern California. Uh, and he was like, he's like one of the, you know, four fathers of Palo Alto, like the science community. In, oh, wow. In Silicon Valley. Wow. And it's like, well, I probably didn't really interact with that many black people right, in his right, whole right. life. Yet he's like making these sweeping proclamations about how. Entire broad swaths of the population are just unfit for reproduction. Right. And that you have to like breed out their better qualities. He he divorced his first wife and then later said that she didn't have the same genetic fitness as him, that she didn't pass on as good a genes and as I he would did. assume that this guy probably is not the picture of genetic superiority, right? I was looked like a tall, thin guy with glasses, but yeah. I guess he was like a very good rock climber and obviously very smart. I mean, in some respects, and also fucking idiot in others. <laughs> He's a good rock climber. He's a good rock climber. Accomplished rock climber. <laughs> fucking rock climbers. Think you're fucking rock. But stars. yeah, I don't know. I like if my kid came out and looked like Shockley, it's not like I'd be like, God damn, this is so handsome. What a handsome fucking balding guy. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I guess going back to eugenics, it's like if if you believe the Kirsten theory, you know, that might have been the point. Yeah. But I guess there's also that aspect of do the Guidestones apply before or after a horrible event? Now, that's very interesting because, um, well, you know, um, there the idea of a, you know, obviously we have a lot of apocalyptic and doomsday uh, uh, scenarios that could befall uh, civilization. One of One of the more interesting ones 
is the super volcano that you described. Yeah, super volcano. And did you know that under Yellowstone National Park, yep. there is a super volcano? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people may be aware of that, but there is a magma caldera. That's what it's called. It's a basically a big old penis, a big old pocket. Big old dick of magma. It is. It's a giant, like the head of a penis yeah. of magma, and it's growing, and it grows. <laughs> yeah. It's getting a big getting old erect. It is. And it has exploded uh, like 650,000 years ago. Right. And if it were to explode today, the amount of volcanic ash would like basically render the entire state of Texas obsolete. Like, right. There'd be a nuclear winter, essentially, over the state of Texas. And then most of the plain states, all of our like food supplies and agriculture would be fucked. Right. Like it would fucking ruin everything. Yeah. And then you'd have the Guidestones. Right. The Guidestones would still be fine. Now, am I mistaken, though, in saying that Old Faithful is a product of all this super volcanic activity underneath Yellowstone? All those geysers are. Like, it's all, like, escaping yeah. steam there's from a, the there's magma. There's a ton of fucking magma under right. Yellowstone. And then, like, you know, the big thing is, is when is it going to explode next? I just hope that when it does explode that I'm one of the people that's standing there. <laughs> But I imagine that's one of those scenarios where um, I, th- look, any, I hope you are too. Any apocalypse scenario, <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to be so close to where the action is. Like, I want to be exactly, you know, I want to be the I'm ground zero for the like, action. If I if I was a Japanese person in the 1940s and I lived in Hiroshima, I want to be the person that the bomb hits. Right. Like, I don't want to be a survivor. Yeah, that shit was fucking horrific. Yeah. The survivors had a horrible like. It, it was awful. So, it was so much better for the people who got vaporized. <laughs> I mean, it's not pleasant. It's no, not, it's not kind. To think about. And we should probably, you know, it's debatable whether or not we should have ever done it. We probably shouldn't have. But I would rather be vaporized than have radiation poisoning. Yeah, you'd want to be right at Yellowstone when that I want to get destroyed by magma than have to, like, starve to death. Yeah, you wouldn't want to Because it would like- take me a while to starve to death. <laughs> You wouldn't want to be like our friend Zio Hamilton stuck in Texas. Right. Having to fucking escape. <laughs> right. Hmm. Hmm. Unless they develop could a- destroy Ian Hamilton, but then it'd also destroy Natalie. Natalie, yeah. This is a real oh, boy. It's a trade off. Tough situation. Yeah, we'll think about it. Let's let it explode <laughs> when Natalie's on vacation. <laughs> But that's one of the many scenarios, right? Like, um, I was watching a video the other day on the internet of, okay. of various, all right, <laughs> various impacts of mm-hmm. uh, extraterrestrial objects onto the yeah, earth. Yeah, I think I know the type of videos you were watching. So they were showing what it would be like, what the impact would be like of variously sized rocks from space hitting the earth. Uh, how Georgia big- Guidestones are not fucking surviving that. That's the thing. Well, yeah, I mean, there was this one where they showed like an eight kilometer wide piece of uh, rock hitting the earth and basically you know the atmosphere breaks it up not at all uh, Mm. because it's huge Uh, and then there's it's like this humongous like just flames shooting out for in every direction Uh, and then the last one was uh, the moon series hitting the earth nice so a moon if the if a moon crashes into the earth uh, basically the entire planet is destroyed (laughs) In a maelstrom of fire. Yeah, this whole place turns into like dark sun. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, Georgia Guidestones, you guys are, and even the other thing, like Georgia Guidestones, not really surviving a nuclear holocaust either. Well, you know, that's the thing. They've been stress tested and it didn't pass the test. It didn't. What do you think took them out? Was it, there was discussion, RPG, mm-hmm. homemade bomb. There what was, are we thinking? There was discussion in the discord about, um, could it be a rocket blast right. because of the way the impact looked and the way that, uh, footage showed it. Um, or was it a bomb? Like you said, RPG, um, you, know, you can own your own tank in Georgia. So we can't rule out a tank <laughs> we can't either. Rule out a tank. Well, they didn't see the tank on the security cams. <laughs> they only saw the silver sedan. Or um, the blast. I don't know. I mean, I could believe just because based on the circumstances, like I would believe a bomb or like something that you could fire handheld, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, but I don't know. It's hard to say for me because of the way that monuments arranged. Like, it's interesting to me the way that um, physics works um, when I don't understand it. Um, But, you know, there's this detonation on one of the language tablets, the Swahili and Hindi tablet, that tablet gets pretty much blown up. Um, But the way that the, you know, it also deflects the energy of the blast and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it like shoots up into the capstone, but none of the other slabs are like as damaged as that one. And I think that was the speculation in the discord is like just the way that the, the way the explosion worked, but it's like, there's more space for it outside the monument. For right. Last to go right. shoots up into the capstone and it breaks the capstone. Um, whereas there's more, it's more dense in the center mm-hmm. because you have a stone in the center and then the other three. So it's more, I mean, at least to me, it seems like it's more likely to get deflected into those places. But if you told me it was a projectile, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question it. Yeah. I mean, well, I would question you it. Know? I would, I would question it. Okay. But I'm not saying I would be like, that's unbelievable. <laughs> it had to be a bomb. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, mm. and I, I mean, I guess I'll, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm going to say rocket propelled grenade. I'm gonna Is say, it powerful enough? Could it do that kind of damage? An RPG? Yeah. Okay. Certainly. Okay. But I feel it's like, like sourcing one. I feel I mean, like it's Georgia, but like you I feel know. like building a bomb is harder than than getting a rocket propelled grenade, right? I think I disagree. <laughs> okay. I don't know, dude. Well, you're on a watch list now. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that Timex. Yeah. I went online. I've been ordered all these cookbooks, Anarchist Cookbook. I can't even it won't get delivered. <laughs> all I do is have guys driving around in my house. Late at night. Trying to sell me watches. Yeah. All right. Great bit. Um, <laughs> cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Uh, what else, Andy? So what What do we think? What do, I mean, I guess that's a verdict, right? It's like, what do we think was the purpose of the dream? Do you think it's satanic? Or do you right. think it was actually like weird Christians? Yeah, that's what you're going is it, to... Is it Christianity or is it Satanism? There's another or, flavor in the, in the uh, old uh, flavor ice spectrum... Of Christianity, what uh, are we like? You know, is this like a cherry? Is this the yellow one? Is this the blue run? Well, you know, I you know think what I'm talking about. I think that it's very interesting that they those plastic tubes. Yeah, I know the flavor ice. I love yeah. flavor ice. It's fucking great. Nothing better on a hot summer day than a oh my god ice cold flavor ice. You're a kid. You drink that fucking syrup. Were you a kid who let it melt and then you just fucking slurped up that syrup? Nah, not patient enough. Got to eat the ice and then slurp the syrup. Yeah, I, I would eat the ice. I just like whatever's left. But that syrup at the bottom. Don't like, say when you're a kid. It's good as an adult, too. 
I had a flavor ice a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, I just think that's a weird look for you. Why? Walking down the street, slurping a fluff of flavor <laughs> ice. <laughs> flavor ice? Hey, look. It's, pretend this is my tongue. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, kids. Pretend this is my tongue. Oh, God. It's that guy again. Oh, excuse me, sir. We asked you not to come here anymore. Alright. Just trying to pretend it's my tongue. <laughs> Look how blue it is. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, flavor ice is a fucking slap, dude. Yeah. Those things are for real, for real. Bussin. On cap, no fucking no, bussin. On God, no cap. I can eat those things all night. Um Sheesh! But, sheesh! Yeah, how what like you know, we're, we're, we are we are we leaning towards nope, straight up Satanists, secret Satanists, New World Order. Are we saying? Are we saying? What do you think? Well, this is a verdict. I don't know. Are we ready to get to verdicts here? What more do you want to talk about this? Uh, I, I guess I could get into verdicts. Do you want to get into verdicts now? Because you're getting too close to the verdict. Too close so, to the verdict. You got too close to the verdict. You had to touch it. <laughs> and now you're into it. Could you touch the Georgia Guidestones when they were still up? Yeah. I think it's funny that something breaks. And you then, could walk right up to it. I wonder, is that like in the legal document? Like if this thing breaks, like who decides? Well, all right, we're just going to fucking tear it down now. Like somebody broke a part of it, but it was still standing. Well, and so then the county is just like, well, the land was signed over to the county. So the site got signed over to the county. So RC Christian and company did not own the the site any longer. When did they sign that over? After he died? Uh, almost immediately after it was built. Really? Yeah. They they bought they bought the land from a local farmer who had a cattle ranch there, and they gave the farmer. Uh, part of the contract for him selling the land is they got like grazing rights to the area in perpetuity or something. And then they, uh, after, after it was built and constructed, they you turned it over to the county. should have taken a penny that doubles in value every day. <laughs> Fucking dummy. Dumbass farmer. Yeah. Instead he took grazing rights. Friggin' idiot. <laughs> so they turned it over to the county. So it was county property. It was public land. I would have done it. They should have demanded way more fucking things. This this but, nut job was like, sure, I'll take whatever fucking whatever demands you want. I won't even negotiate. I say, okay, give me a penny that doubles in value every day. Be a fucking millionaire. You'd be a trillionaire. Fucking, I bankrupt the state of Georgia with this deal. Can't pay this out. He's got fucking. He's got a penny that doubles every day in one month. He's a millionaire. Imagine what would happen. It's fucking 40 years of a penny that doubles in value every day. One wait. So then it's it goes from one penny to two pennies to four pennies. Yeah, doubles in value. So it's one penny the first day. Mm-hmm. And then day two, it's two the, pennies. The, the cumulative sum total of the fucking monetary value doubles every day. Right. And then you don't lose a penny though. You get any, This you, is not you, a lose a penny, take a penny wait, 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 wait. scenario. So but is it but is it that you get one new penny on day two? No. Or you get two pennies on day it two? It doubles in value every day. It's but cumulatively, it's doubling. Yeah, but do you, are you getting, do you have three pennies Sign on day two? Sign the deal, Georgia, or I'm not building my mind. Do you have two pennies on day two or three pennies? Answer that question. I have two pennies. So it doesn't, it's not. On day three, I have four pennies. Day right. four, I have eight pennies. So it only adds the doubled pennies, value to it. 32 it pennies. It doesn't add the doubled value pennies. of the previous day to the already existing amount of pennies. That's correct. Okay. It doubles in value. It's not compounding. That That's what I mean by a Compound penny. it and then you got me. <laughs> That's what I mean by a penny that doubles in value every day when I say that phrase. <laughs> I hope to hear it a lot more. 
<laughs> That's the deal I would have taken. Farmer, grazing rights. Fuck that. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> the farmer gets the grazing rights. So then I don't get it. So the, why wouldn't the county take it? They just, that's so weird to me that the county would just not just back out on the deal after they, they own it. Yeah. Why they, so they could, if they wanted to in 1982, have just torn it down. They could have taken it down at any point, probably. Uh, because it was theirs. But it was something of a tourist attraction. 20,000 visitors or something every year. So it became sort of a tourist spot. Notoriety for Elbert County. They were like, fuck it, keep it around. Yeah. Then the heat got a little too hot. Yeah. Someone blew it up. I think they saw it as probably a good opportunity to market the area. Come visit, come stay. Come visit Elbert County. Come visit the granite capital of the world. (laughs) With our chiseled jaws. That's probably pretty close to Savannah. Savannah's a fucking cool city. Yeah. But they don't want you to go there. They want you to go to Elberton. See the fountain with all the granite rings. Town Square. So I think that's why they didn't tear it down. But as for what happens now, now that it's been destroyed, anybody's a guess. Are you sad? Do you wish you would have seen it before it got blown up? No, I don't usually get sad about rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only get sad about the rock. I uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I I do think it would have been neat to see because I I've, I've looked at a lot of pictures of it over the last few days. Some fan a lot of rule thirty four. Some fan made drawings. <laughs> some There's actual gotta be rule thirty four of the Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. Look it up, post it in the Discord, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler it, but then post it in the Discord. Right. Uh so <laughs> I but I don't think that I don't think honestly most of the pictures that I've I've seen do really do it really justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's so many like interesting features about it. Like the astronomical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I struggle. Yeah, like it's a sundial, all this other bullshit. I struggled to find a good picture of the noontime sunlight coming through the drilled hole in the capstone and mm-hmm. illuminating the day of the month. Right. Uh, which I think is neato. pretty cool. So I think it would have been neat to see, but I'm not, I'm not like sad about it at the same time. Some good memes. Yeah. Good memes. Uh, it would have been easy to get to though. Honestly, it's Why? not like it's not like some of these other crazy tourist destinations. Twenty thousand a year is not like yeah. crazy. And you probably get kinda, some alone time with the monument, right? Yeah, I would be able to jerk off on the monument, like I wanted to do in that little slot. I wanted to do on Abe Lincoln's lap, but I got <laughs> arrested. Thank you, Lincoln Memorial yeah, Police. Yeah, FDR's eternal flame. I was trying to put it out with my jizz. <laughs> yeah. I didn't touch FDR's finger. I let him stick it in my butt. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to take a nap inside of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Is that a problem? I thought this was a free country. <laughs> hey, my tax dollars paid for this <laughs> monument. Oh, all these Korean war vets of this fucking forgotten war walking up this hill? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so I climbed to the top of the flagpole on that Iwo Jima memorial. <laughs> We're making jokes, but you know what? You ever been to fucking D.C.? There's like so many kids defacing the fuck out of all these monuments, <laughs> playing in the fountains, yeah. in the fucking uh, the Vietnam War. Like you got fucking Vietnam vets sitting there like fucking paying their respects, like 
really just like that's my favorite thing is, how this like fucking kids climbing on shit there's a, there's a wall of the names of people who were killed in vietnam and people are like somber leaning against it yeah <laughs> it's like i felt <laughs> weird i was a teen when i went to dc like a class trip yeah and i was like oh i don't i feel i feel weird like touching this wall yeah it's supposed to be like a, a very somber place right you know? very somber yeah but you know you just climb on shit yeah the jungle gym it's a jungle gym and if that ain't America, you know, I don't you, know what is. But if you do want a little hidden gem to go jerk off onto one of our founding fathers, <laughs> go to the Jefferson Memorial Monument. They're people not don't lot, go there very not often. a lot of people go there. Yeah. it's far away. It's far away. It's on the other side of the river. Yeah. It's kind of out of the way. But if you go there, perfect place to jerk off on Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Super hard to get privacy, though, and jerk off at uh, Mount Vernon. If you want to jerk off on that dummy... Of George Washington, tough to do. <laughs> but All if you right. go to Philadelphia, there's plenty of Ben Franklin imposters r- running. Oh, around. they're and they're imposters, imposters. Like they tried to trick you that they're actually Ben Franklin. I get so fucking tricked. You know, I'm they're jerking me off in some alley in Philadelphia, and I'm thinking like, oh, Ben Franklin's actually founding fathers on the hundred dollar bills. Vented the library's jerking me off. How old are you? 400 years old? he takes off the wig and it's like, oh, oh fuck. It's some failed actor. <laughs> God damn it. It's Paul Giamatti. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to work for Chipotle in Philadelphia and uh, Ben Franklin would send an order in every day and the, some guy would come in and pick it up and he was dressed like Ben Franklin, but it wasn't Ben Franklin. It was a wig and glasses. It was a fake tummy. That's why the library bill is cracked. Is Ben Franklin tried to fuck it? Yeah, that's true. He was a fucked up little dude. Anyway, um, <laughs> more on him later. More on him later. Let's that's get to some verdicts episode. here in these okay. guidestones. Would you like to go first? No, you can go ahead. Okay, because you're you're him hawing around here about this verdict. <sighs> so we're doing like verdict on what you think. I guess what like you can pick. Was it because you know we do? This is fucking shit work. So you got how does this show work? You've got uh, case closed or case confirmed, right? But I guess pick which one you think the thing is, and then give yeah, the you gotta, gotta give your verdict on. And the then thing. I guess what do you think? You know, did this did that guy that Kirkston guy, whatever his name was, yeah, was he the RC Christian? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we gotta single him out, yeah, because he's like the only one yeah. where there's really good solid suggestion of who could be behind the whole thing, and then yeah. Say what it, what we think it was. Right, so, right, right. I'm gonna go. All right, I'm going to go plausible plus. Wow, that the intent of the guidestones was in context of what they felt like was an upcoming nuclear holocaust. That's true. We did not talk about the time. That this was, this was the 80s. This was 1979. It was the 60s to the 80s, which was prime Cold this, War This bullshit. was like the coldest part of the Cold War yeah. in some ways. Nuclear arsenals were huge at oh, this point. Were they ever? Tensions were high. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Carter was president. Oh. That warmonger, <laughs> Jimmy Carter. He was that stupid fucking grazing farmer, dummy. <laughs> You dumbass. I didn't even think about that. Jimmy Carter was president, and this was built in Georgia. Stupid little farmer. Um, but anyway, yeah. This Bill, was like Billy Carter was uh, actually the farmer. We elected the wrong Carter. Billy Brewer. Uh, 
But this is at the height of the Cold War. There's lots of threat of nuclear war. Yeah. yeah. Mutually assured destruction of the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And to me, I think that frames this really well. Yeah. That probably the people that that built this felt like these were good rules no matter what. But they probably also recognized that humanity had gone to a point now where it's beyond just applying all of these all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that something like a nuclear war is like a reset point where you have a chance to sort of rebuild society in a, what you think they thought was a better way. I mean, we had that silly, uh, we have that silly fucking uh, doomsday clock, don't we? Like the government and they yeah. do that and they move it up and down whenever they feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. So like ticking ever closer to our eventual destruction. Mm-hmm. But, to me, that's very biblical, right? Incredibly biblical. You've got they're all about that shit. The deluge. Like, how many times has God destroyed everybody on earth? Oh my god, it's like his favorite thing to do. <laughs> favorite thing to do is just start over. The guy creates one time and then destroys the rest. Let's right. just put it out there. <laughs> Doesn't see a lot of things through. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think that um, it's very biblical to me to be like, okay, all a huge portion of humanity is going to be destroyed. Let those of us that are left proceed forward um, smartly. Although I do tend to like get that feeling that anytime you bring up eugenics, it's not so much a let's make sure that the gene pool is very diverse and that, you know, we're well protected against disease and stuff. It's more about like, let's make sure that the right people are yeah, the ones that yeah. are passing it's on like their a, genes. With a wink and a wink, nudge. wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like there's probably there's probably some big time racism into that second racism. point. Um, but then, you know, everything else, it's kind of makes sense. It's like, okay, we've already blown past the point where population is sustainable with existing resources, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're teetering on the edge of just falling off a cliff in terms of our consumption. Yeah. And you know, if there were some big catastrophe that destroyed a lot of people, I mean, maybe it would be good to think about population control, but I mean, it's kind of like, who gets to make those decisions? That's, yeah. That's a very difficult thing to implement. That's a uh, very, yeah, that's a slippery So, thing. like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that one. But the, the eugenics thing seems like a little more and, nail And rural areas of Georgia, uh, do, Georgia. Seem, do seem like a good meeting Georgia. point, I guess. The, these guidestones, they, it's in the name. Right. It's supposed to guide you. Right. But, so I'm, so I'm going plausible plus. Okay. That I think it was designed to be a guide after... A nuclear holocaust and i'm not i'm not going like case confirmed on it because mm-hmm. i don't think it's confirmed for me at least because it could have been they could have had in mind like you should start doing this now <laughs> like we should consider eugenics right now um which um is a possibility but also it's uh, you know i think that's probably the biggest thing for me is like we don't i don't know the intent completely so i'm going yeah. plausible plus it just seems very likely to me mm-hmm. that it wasn't like please let's exterminate a good portion of the population right now. It's like, this should be after that happens. Um, and then as for the, uh, erector of this monument, I got to think about this for a second. What do I think about Herbert Kirsten? I got to say, seems like a likely subject. He does. I'm going to go, I'm going to go plausible plus on that too. Wow. Herbert Kirsten. Okay. Because I'll tell you what. Double, double. 
reading a double double, reading about it. <laughs> give me my double double. Where's my Dave's daily double? Cheeseburger. Uh, the thing I think about Herbert Kirsten is like even his obituary, where they did not have to bring up population control at all. They brought it up more than once. Yeah. So like that leads me to believe that this guy was talking about it a lot. <laughs> so much so that they felt the need to bring it up <laughs> two separate places yeah. in his obituary. Hey, did you uh, borrow that that uh, did you borrow that lawnmower from uh, Kirstner down the street? Oh, you mean the population control guy? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he like he must have been talking about it a lot. <laughs> and um, you know, he's he seems to fit the profile of of somebody who, you know, he's from Iowa, right? Like people described the RC Christian as having like a a Midwestern type of dialect, mm-hmm. uh, an accent, if you will, well, because it would stick out in Georgia, rural Georgia, that you didn't have like a Georgian accent. Right. So I don't know. It kind of fits to me. But also what gives me pause is that, um, first of all, Wyatt Martin's never said for sure who it is. Um, the documentary crew, sure, they got the correspondence and it like goes back to Fort Dodge, Iowa, where obviously Dr. Uh, uh, Kirstner lived and stuff. But he also said that he got letters from all over the place. And he clearly said before that even this documentary that that R.C. Christian, the person that he knew, traveled a lot and was occasionally in Georgia for unrelated things to the Guidestones and visited him. So I don't know. There's enough there's enough question there that I don't know. As for who blew it up, um. I'm going to go plausible that it was Sonic the Hedgehog because <laughs> that's the best lead that we have right now. Um, but I really do think, I mean, in all seriousness, I would give it like plausible, like highly plausible that it was probably like uh, some sort of Christian activist, I would guess, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Because it seems like that's where most of the heat comes from now. Oh, yeah. It's from like, um, like people who think that it's satanic and also are inclined to feel like it's part of the new world order. Right. So I would give that highly plausible. That Fair that's enough. The, that's the suspect. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in agreement with you, but maybe even more so on a lot of these points. I'm going wow. plausible plus and a half. I think this is Ooh. a flavor of evangelical Christians who are into a lot of weird different areas, but um, they're going to be like, listen, there there's probably going to be a nuclear apocalypse right with this cold war so therefore we should start thinking about population it'll be the perfect opportunity and it's just sort of like all right and (laughs) look this could happen let's start thinking about the solutions but obviously i don't think that this guy could have done it all by himself that's a very hefty fine to pay all by yourself to erect these stones i mean this was made possibly half a million dollars right in 1980s money so um that's that's quite a chunk of change so there's got to be a group involved yeah but I'm going plausible plus and a half on that. I'm going to go plausible plus plus that I do think that this, uh, what is his name? Kirshner. Kirshner. That he's one of the guys. Or Kirsten. He, he's the head Sorry. guy. And um, the dude is ride or die on that fucking crew because we don't know anything about the rest of his crew. It's yeah. just him. Yeah. And he had his other fucking shitty friend <laughs> who gave up his identity. Right. I mean, that's a load of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I can't give good friends anymore. Right. <laughs> Gotta find yourself a ride or die friend. You're gonna meet with him for lunch every time you're traveling or dinner. Be like, hey, don't tell a documentary crew 40 years from now my identity. <laughs> yeah. 
You got to sign some papers. I do. I do. Every time I meet with somebody, I say that. That's the last thing I say to them is right. don't tell anybody that this happened, even if you talk to a doctor. And they go, trust me. Decades in the future. I don't want to be associated with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm much more worried about you telling people about me than I than you should be about me telling them about you. And I agree with you. Highly plausible that it was <clears throat> activist uh, like Christian evangelical Christians who blew this thing up. There's been a very strong thread throughout the existence of the Guidestones of like, uh, you know, vandalism done by presumably Christian activists. Yeah. Um, so I think it just makes sense. Yeah. Well. Those were our verdicts. Um, what did you think, Bunk Funkers? Who blew up the Georgia Guidestones? And was who it Mr. Built it? Plum in the kitchen with the pipe? <laughs> or was it a Mr. Evangelical <laughs> on the hilltop with a bomb? <laughs> uh, let us know. Uh, use the hashtag. Uh, Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's no, just get on the train. Where, yeah. You might as well use that social uh, credit that we've got coming to us from the internet. Uh, get at us. doing a, a fucking topical, topical topic, topic for yeah. once. Use hashtag Georgia Guidestones. Tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod. Find us on Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. You can email us Mr. Bunker Pod at gmail.com. Or find us on the web at MrBuggersConspiracyTimePodcast.com. You can also, if you feel so inclined and you have the means to do so, please go to Patreon.com forward slash MrBunkerPod and consider becoming a patron of the show for only five buccarinos a month. Five big smackers. You get access to dozens of hours of Extra special behind-the-scenes Patreon-only content. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Uh, you'll get access to the Bunker Discord, where you, too, can let us know your theories about um, the Georgia Guidestones. And post some great memes. I mean, we got some fucking, like... There's some good memes in there. Really good ones. Uh, I mean, we can't vouch for the Bunk Tech bot that's in there, the meme oh, bot. Oh, God, no. But we can vouch for the actual human <laughs> beings. They do a great job. Um, so please consider joining if you feel so inclined to have the means to do so. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Uh, also, find us on YouTube. Uh, and you go just search Mr. Bunker's just, Conspiracy just Time. The, the link is confusing, so just search it. Um, YouTube got to do a better job of that. So uh, I guess that's our show for today. That's all the housekeeping items. Uh, Art... Do you have any last words for the Bunk Funkers today? You know, Bunk Funkers, you don't need a monument to guide your heart. Because you just got to use your gut. You just got to use your heart. You got to use your mind. You got to use the talents and gifts that you have at your disposal to, uh, to guide you on what you should do if there is a nuclear winter. And, um, you know... Let that be what it may. Well said. Not ominous at all. Thank you, Art. Uh, so that's it for our show today for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my eager co-host. I was. I Art was Stone. This is Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. Hickory dickory dock. I fucked that bell with my cock. Ooh, it's me. Ben, ben, Frank, Dice, Franklin. ben Dice Franklin Clay. Oh! Oh! <laughs>
Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.